0: Welcome to another episode of Tall Hungry Girl Talks. Today we are going to talk about everyone's favorite subject, money. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have a special guest today. Her name is Raya Reeves. She is a financial coach and founder of City Girl Savings. Raya teaches and empowers women to reach financial success through better budgeting processes money, mindset shifts, debt help, and true spending accountability. Most of all, she she teaches you how to still be fabulous while staying on a budget. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you today, Rhea. Um, You know, you and I have worked together in the past, and so I know how fabulous you have been to me, and, you know, I've referred you to so many people. Um, I want to talk today about budgeting, debt, savings. Um, I, you know, I was reading this statistic the other day talking about how um, most people, or not most, but a good chunk of Americans don't even have enough money for a $1,000 emergency expense. So what is the best way to create a budget and what factors should one, should one consider in order to stick to a budget?
1: Yeah, well, that's a great question, and I mean, kicks us right off. <laughs>
0: um, by the way,
1: Tiara, I'm so happy to be here. I know you mentioned we had worked together in the past, and I'm just so proud of all that you're doing. So, so happy to be here. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's really disheartening to to know that about two thirds of Americans couldn't cover a $1,000 emergency, and I think in part, it's due to a lack of knowledge around budgeting. And so your question is, you know, what's the best way for someone to create a budget? And you know, what, what things should they consider? And I would say, keep it simple. So, you know, whether a person has experience with budgeting or not, it doesn't have to be this terrifying process, right? Like, to keep it simple, simply list out all of the income you know you make within a month and then all of the expenses you spend money on in that same month and kind of see where you stand from there. I think one of the most important things people should keep in mind is that don't forget about those variable expenses, right? So things like groceries or gas or going out to eat, iced coffees like me (laughs) and you enjoy. Uh, Don't forget about those because you do spend money on those things. And if you fail to budget them, you're going to wonder why your numbers aren't adding up.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: starting with, you know, your income and all of your spending, see where you stand. Ideally you want to make more than you spend in a given month and at least if you start with those simple steps you can see where you
0: stand and then make adjustments from there. So do you have any recommendations for tools or apps um, in order to stick to a budget? I know for me like at the beginning of the month I'll be like oh great I have you know x amount of dollars for whatever and then you know Like today, I had to get my sink fixed. So, you know, I'll have, you know, some sort of random expense. And or, you know, like something may take a few days to show up um, coming out of my bank account. And so, you know, your bank account isn't always an indication of how much money you have. So do you have any good like recommendations for tracking applications or do you think just like putting it in an Excel spreadsheet is the best thing to do well
1: well I'm a spreadsheet girl so I think you know you have to find what works for you there are so many options I mean there are apps like every dollar mint which link directly to your accounts and you know you can keep track that way you can physically write what you spend using a check register Um, or you can use a good old fashioned spreadsheet, which is what I do. Um, I track my spending against my budget, so I'm not solely focused on what my bank activity shows, right? Every time I spend something, I make sure to track it. So that way I'm not in a situation where, oh, I forgot about the funds and then they come out when I wasn't expecting it. So I think it's finding what works for you and you know, running with it. And don't be afraid to try different things. It's all trial and error.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, so in terms of debt, so I think that debt is so overwhelming and it's shameful. And I think shame kind of forces people not to deal with an issue. So it's like, oh, I have $100,000 in student loans, or I have this credit card debt over here and maybe they're just like making the minimum payment or something because they don't want to deal with it. If someone has a lot of debt, where should they focus their financial energy first?
1: That's a good question. You know, everybody's situation is different, but I think one basic thing that that stands kind of across the board is making sure you have some sort of small emergency fund. So, even if it's anywhere between 500 to 1000 dollars whatever is appropriate for your situation i would recommend starting there i mean when you dive right in with paying off your debt well that's not a bad thing if one thing goes wrong your your tires you know go out or something happens with your car whatever the case may be one wrong move and you likely need to use credit cards to get yourself you know, out of that situation. So if you have funds kind of put to the side as a just-in-case before you start diving in with your debt, you'll feel a lot more comfortable tackling that debt.
0: Yeah. And so do you recommend that people pay off, say, like high interest credit cards more aggressively? I know that like when you and I worked together, we did kind of like a snowball effect. So the higher interest you know, whatever it was, I was paying off. And then I would go to the next thing. Is that what you typically recommend for your clients? So I definitely recommend the snowball method, but I think there are two
1: ways to approach it. So like you mentioned, when you and I worked together, we focused on your highest interest debt and knocking that type of debt out first, right? And then focusing on the next and the next and the next. That is definitely a great option. But another option is focusing on the debt with the lowest balance first. And that's really good for somebody who needs motivation and likes yes. you know, the quick wins. Mm-hmm. So that's an option as well.
0: Yeah. No, it definitely is. There's nothing better than like seeing a zero balance and, and paying something off and kind of it get, it does give you that motivation to keep moving forward, you know? Oh, totally. And mindset is huge yes. you know, when you're
1: on your debt repayment journey.
0: Yes. Money is, is tied to so many things to all the emotions. Um, so do you have tips for developing passive income to help people get out of debt? Like I know for me, um, my friends always kind of laugh at me. I've always had two jobs because, you know, when I moved to DC, I didn't make a ton of money. And so I, I needed two jobs. Now I still work two jobs. I don't need two jobs, but it's like, it, you know, it allows me to do something else, but also it allows me to put a lot more money in savings and my 401k and stuff like that. Um, do you, do you have like tips for people that, you know, maybe, you know, they're, they're thinking of doing something, but don't really know what to do. Yeah,
1: I, you know, there's just so many things out there. And, you know, you mentioned passive income, which, you know, is pretty much you're not exchanging time for money, right? Meaning you can essentially make money while you sleep when you have passive income or without any effort. So, you know, some ideas that a person could do there is maybe rent out a room, even if it's just, you know, an Airbnb every now and then, as opposed to having an actual tenant. Um you know, switching to a high yield savings account where you get a much higher interest rate than, you know, your standard bank. I mean, that's a great way to just bring in extra money for nothing. Um, Investing in any types of stocks or funds that pay out dividends. I mean, dividends are pretty much rewards for, for individuals who are invested in certain companies. Um, But that's, you know, more of the passive route, but there are so many things people can do that do require a little bit of upfront work, right? Like Uber, I was just going to say,
0: yes. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there is
0: nothing wrong with that. And you can
1: make a lot of money in a short amount of time.
0: Yeah. I had a friend that was, you know, saving up for his wedding. And so he drove Uber and it helped, you know, pay for it upfront instead of having to go into debt for it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so smart, right? Yeah. 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 No, definitely. Um, so when <laughs> when I started my career, I always talk about this. I was poor with a capital P. Like I was like borrowing toilet <laughs> paper from like my work. Like that was the type of poor that I was. Like every <laughs> single penny was accounted for. I think I I figured out that I could eat out once a month. Um, and so I would go to like this, this bakery next to my job and, and get an iced coffee or <laughs> get, you know, a lunch or something. So for people that are just, you know, maybe you're early in your career or you're just, you know, end up in a financial situation, you know, you're in school or just, you're not making a lot of money, um, and living paycheck to paycheck. How do you save money in those types of situations? Cause I know saving is so important. But do you have any suggestions for people that are just on really limited funds?
1: Yeah, you know, it's so tough, right? Because you can really get yourself into this cycle of that, you know, always waiting for the next paycheck. And it can be really hard to break out of that. And I know I mentioned, you know, one wrong move. That's the same situation when you're living paycheck to paycheck, one wrong move, and you're kind of out of luck. I think the best thing a person can do if they're in that situation is, is try to, you know, get to the root of, of why, where is their money going? And where are there opportunities to tighten it up? Right? Maybe they don't need that $50 gym membership right now. Right? Mm -hmm. I think there's this like, misconception that, you know, if you cut back all of your expenses, you have to be frugal for life. And that's not the case, right? You're doing it so you can get to the next level and then you can reassess from there.
0: Yeah. And just because I feel like just because you can afford something doesn't mean you should do it. Like, so I canceled my cable. Like I went through like this one month, I was like, I am canceling all my subscriptions. I kept Netflix. But <laughs> and that's fair uh, yes an HBO now but I cut I you know I got an antenna I like looked on Amazon and I got one of those antennas and so I get like the main cable um, news channels because I have to watch my 60 minutes on Sunday like that's very important for my mental stability <laughs> and so you know I I kept that, but getting rid of cable saved me so much money. Now I just pay for internet and it's 50 bucks a month. Cause I have it automatically withdraw from my, um, my checking account every month. So then I get like a, re- a reduction for that in the payment. And so that's like 60, 70 bucks that I'm saving a month. So, and do you miss it? I mean, really, no,
1: it's like,
0: no, because <laughs> I mean, there are endless amounts of shows on Netflix. And so you, I mean, I spend an hour looking for a show to watch because there are so many options. And so I, you know, it's just like, yeah, I was mostly mainly watching cable on, you know, my, my cable subscript or just, you know, rather the main Ford network channels, which I get. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, no, definitely. So for me, it's just like, I really was like, oh, and then also subscriptions that you forget about. Like I signed up a, for a subscription at my job or it was to help do something at my job that my employer didn't want to pay for. But I was like, oh, it'll just be easy. I'll get it for a month. And I forgot. And it was like 35 bucks a month. And so that's like an easy, that's just like throwing money away, you know? So Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: And I think that's where tracking your spending really is important, right? Because, yeah, it may have slipped through the cracks, but now that you're tracking your spending, you caught it and you can do something about it. Yeah. I, you know, one of the exercises I have my clients do, as you know, is, you know, track every single dollar that is spent. And I've literally had a handful of clients who, forgot about that annual wine club subscription Mm -hmm. they had and you know it totally creeps up on you but once you get into a habit of always keeping an eye on your money you you fix it and you move forward
0: yeah and I know that for me it's like it almost becomes like a game of like how much I can save and so it can actually be become really fun
1: oh you're (laughs) just like me Tiara. like make it a challenge (laughs) yes
0: yeah no definitely Um, so I'm dying to know. So it seems like in the news, it changes for how many months of emergency savings one should have. Like, you know, Susie Orman will say this and then, you know, Dave Ramsey will say, say this. So I know, I think the standard is still six months. Is that the case? Because that feels really unrealistic for a lot of people that I know.
1: Yeah. You know what? I think three to six months is safe, right? I mean, if you're a single woman, you know, limited expenses, no kids, you know, it might be easier for you to save six months worth of expenses. But if you have a family and more expenses and more things to take care of, that six months can seem so daunting, right? So start with three. I think you can't go wrong if you have three months worth of expenses, if something were to happen to you, right? So, so find what's comfortable and what, you know, will not put you off, right? Because we got to get there one way or another, right? So, so do it in a way where it's realistic for you and you don't feel so unmotivated working towards it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so do you recommend that people have multiple savings account for different things like You know, if they're trying to go on like a big trip or if they're purchasing a car, do you recommend that they have like separate savings accounts so they're better able to track that money? Or do you think it doesn't really make a difference?
1: One hundred percent. I think it's so important to have one savings account for one goal and you know, imagine if you had five things you were saving for with only one account. I mean, how do you keep track of your progress towards your goals? right? it's It's really hard to do that because all of the funds are just pulled together. But if you have an account for each specific goal, you know exactly where you stand in, in those accounts. And there's so many cool bank features now, like you can name your account. Like one of my accounts is, you know, Raya's Travel Fund. Mm-hmm. And every time I put money in there, like I feel so good, like I'm getting closer to my next trip. So yeah, I definitely recommend that.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great. Um, So what's the best platform for long term savings? Or even short-term savings, because I know that you know when I think when I like started my um, savings account a while ago, it was a really low interest rate with my bank, and then all of these online banks tend to have higher yield interest rates, so you get more money back. So, what's yeah. what's your recommendation for that? Like, what's the best way to go?
1: Well,
0: you know you're.
1: Each savings account should have, you know, a certain priority, right? So you mentioned short-term and long-term. So let's start with short-term. I mean, if you're saving for something short-term, you need the funds to be somewhat readily available, right? So you don't want to put short-term savings into an investment or something like that where you could potentially lose out or not have as easy access to your funds. So a high-yield savings account, like you mentioned, is one of the best ways to go because you're getting more for your money to you know your regular bank. So that's definitely a great option. And then, you know, talking long term, that's where it is good to, you know, save your money and invest it. So that could be through a four oh one K, an IRA, just a general investment account. Really you don't need the money right away. So you can afford to let it grow and kind of do its own thing while you're working on yourself in the meantime.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, so, so many millennials and people that I know are bucking the corporate world and just saying like, to hell with this (laughs) and starting their own (laughs) businesses. Like I know so many people doing this. Um, so do you have tips for, for budgeting when you're trying to do this? Like, because I think it requires, um, really, really trimming the fat And also, if you're going to do this and you're going to quit your, you know, your full-time job, how many months of savings should people have? Is this, is it different from like the normal three to six months? Like what, what do you recommend for people?
1: Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're so right. And it's such a great time to be an entrepreneur because, you know, you, you feel the good vibes, which is awesome, but you want to make sure you have your ducks in a row because, The reality is, you know, businesses can take anywhere from three to five years to yield a profit, if that, right? So, that means that you need to make sure your bases are covered while your business is growing, especially when you're just starting out. So, I think the best advice I could give to someone who wants to start their own business is just have, you know, some, some funds coming in on the side in the meantime, right? So whether that means keeping your, your current full-time job and starting your business on the side or doing things like we talked about, like Uber and, and DoorDash and things like that, you know, so you have that money coming in and you take the pressure off of yourself and your business to just perform because,
0: you know, when you're putting that,
1: needy energy into the universe you yes. know, you're
0: not going to get what you need unfortunately yes. no it, yeah definitely and I feel like we're in a gig economy where you do have the opportunity to pick up you know these side jobs and stuff like that so I you know oh yeah yeah definitely oh, yeah um so so much of our generation you know, we don't have these, like my, my parents had these like great retirement accounts that, um, like the employee sponsored really like fully sponsored. And I think they contributed some into them. Um, and our generation just doesn't have that. So how should our generation be adjusting their financial goals when so many of us don't have like employers that match our 401k plans or maybe they don't even have an employer sponsored 401k plan like how should we be planning for that retirement hopefully one day
1: (laughs) (laughs) right I mean that's the goal right yes
0: I Um, do not want to work forever (laughs)
1: No, no, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, And that's, that's such a great question. And you know what, Tahira, you know, don't let an employer's lack of a contribution or match or even 401k plan to begin with stop you from investing. There are so many options an IRA. I mean, you do not need an employer to open up an IRA. Granted, you can't you know, contribute as much on a yearly basis as you could with the 401k plan, but that's an option. And even if your employer doesn't match, doesn't mean that you can't fund your own retirement, right? So the sooner you start putting money away for the long term, the the more opportunity your funds have to grow, thanks to the investments. And by the time you retire, ideally you have what you need. So I think the best advice I could give is just start now, regardless if you don't have any additional benefits that, you know, our parents were used to. Yeah,
0: no, definitely. And so the question, so I feel like, uh, you know, with millennials, you know, our generation tends to move jobs frequently. Um, and if your employer does have a 401k plan, then you end up having what I call runaway 401k plans, meaning you... No, for- oh, I like that. <laughs> yes. You forget about these 401k plans. I mean, I'm, you know, I left a job a, a year and a half ago and I'm now just filling out the forms for the second time to transfer that old 401k into the new one. Is that the smartest thing to do? And, and why is it important to, you know, or is it important to put that with your, your other money? Oh yes, it is so important. And
1: honestly, you want to do it as soon as possible. I mean, the the thing about investing is, like, your money earns on top of what it's already earned, right? So if you have two separate 401k plans, one with a little smaller balance, you're no longer contributing to it, it's almost capped at how much growth it can really have. Yeah. But when you, yeah, but when you move it and, you know, put it with funds that you're regularly contributing to, you're going to see more growth faster. Mm-hmm. So absolutely rolling over is the way to go.
0: Okay, so PSA to all of my friends who have runaway four hundred one k plans. I see you out there. Roll those over. Oh, you better tell them, <laughs> including myself. I, I this is this is motivating me to go home and and fax the the paperwork off tomorrow. Yeah. Ah, oh,
1: how dare how dare they make us use a fax machine? I know.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. Okay, so moving on to spendings. So in the past year, I've had um, two surgeries. and each time, you know, the doctors and nurses or whatever, they give me paperwork telling me not to make any big life decisions for a certain period of time. I mean, almost to the point that it that it's become humorous. Um, I don't know if it's like the pain medicine or the anesthesia that like, you know they think they think that you know, prevents you from, you know, having a good state of being. Um, But I feel like the same should be applied to any major life event or trauma because emotional spending can be so detrimental. I think like, you know, a lot of times after a breakup, someone will be like, oh, I'm treating myself. And it's like they're treating themselves to debt. Like, do you have any boilerplate advice that you provide to clients to avoid making any big spends after large life events?
1: Yeah, it's so funny you say that because I've one I've never heard of that, but it makes perfect sense, right? They're saying you are in like an altered state of being, so don't do anything crazy. And the same applies when you when some life event happens, whether it's a breakup, death, job loss, whatever it may be. You know, we can get into this mode where we just think we deserve it because we're dealing with X, Y, and Z, and that's that's not the way to go. I think. What I try to remind my clients and always work with them to understand is we are focused on the end goal. We are focused on financial freedom. So although you may be feeling really bad in the moment, try to find ways outside of spending money that's not going to help you get to financial freedom to, to feel better, whether it's going for a hike or, you know, playing with your dog or doing something that can bring those good feelings without you spending money because you'll, you'll likely regret it. Nine times out of 10.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so my last two, my last two questions for you. So I know, you know, I follow you on Facebook and on Instagram and I know that you are fabulous and fashionable. So for, you know, my fabulous and fashionable people out there, how, how do you remain frugal And still stylish and, you know, enjoying your life and having fun. Um, Yeah. How how do you do it? Uh, I shop in my closet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh,
1: You know, it's, it's all about finding a balance, right? Like, you know, if you are the type of woman who loves, you know, new clothes or new accessories, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Budget. Save for it. Get what you want. Like that is the best way to go. Whatever you want out of life, budget and save for it and then go get it. Yeah. Um. I, You know, I think we lose sight of that because we live in a society where instant gratification is like the number one thing. And I think we all could be better about practicing delayed gratification. It just makes things so much more enjoyable and
0: you feel better about yeah. it. Yeah. No, Definitely. Yeah, and you don't need to, you know, have any sort of therapy after you get your credit card bill from <laughs> from <laughs> healing yourself from the traumatic event. So, Right?
1: You don't have to go return all that <laughs> stuff you just bought. Yeah, no,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so lastly, what is the most common financial mistake that clients make and what are your suggestions for how to avoid this? Okay,
1: I have Because two just come to mind and I think it can impact uh, multiple people. So the first one is failing for budgeting for fun. And it kind of goes to the point we just talked about, you know, you have to enjoy yourself in moderation. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to feel good, it can lead to an unnecessary splurge, and it just puts you so far behind. But if you budget a small amount of money for yourself every single month, whatever it is, me and you, it's iced coffees, right? But for the next girl, it could be getting her nails done, whatever the case may be, just make sure you allocate a little bit of something for yourself, so that you, you can still feel good while making the right financial decisions. Yeah, so that's one. And the second one is, not tracking your spending. I think people think that, you know, the extent of budgeting is writing out their income, writing out their expenses, and that's that. No, you have to take it a step further and make sure you're actually sticking to the budget. And the only way you can do that
0: is by monitoring your spending. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, hopefully these tips will improve lots of people's lives so they can stay fabulous like you are. <laughs> oh yes. That is the goal.
1: Fabulous and frugal. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much, Raya. I really enjoyed talking with you. Um, you can find Rhea um, on Facebook city girl savings, and you can also visit her website, citygirlsavings.com That's right. Raya. Right. Right. That, that is right here. Okay, so
1: you got
0: it. Okay. I still go to your website, so um and uh you can follow me on com, and listen to more podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. Uh like, comment, subscribe. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks to hear. Switch and board